Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Hey, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Peter An, and I am your host, my co-host, Sua Huang. How you doing, Sua? What's up, everyone? Sua, we got a good topic today, but before we get there, um, I need to ask, and we're going to answer a question. I'm going to ask a question, but you yeah, don't okay. answer it for yourself. You answer it for me. Oh, shoot. Okay? All okay. right, here it is. All right. You ready? This might be our last podcast, everyone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If, if, if we had a superpower, if I had a superpower, what would it be? And I'm going to answer that for you. If, what do I think Sua's superpower is? Oh, your superpower? Yeah. What is my superpower in your estimation? And I'm going to answer what I think your superpower is. Ooh, I have a, I mean, I have a couple for you. I mean, okay. one of them is just like, I think you have a superpower. You're literally a giant. So that's like a legit <laughs> superpower. Um, it's not a superpower. <laughs> I mean, you can, for you know, you say that because you have the privilege of being tall. But for those of us who are very sh like short and can't reach the upper cabinets, <laughs> being able to reach a cabinet without a ladder is a superpower. Wait, Sue, how tall are you? How tall are I'm you? I'm 5'3". Okay, that's still that's still pretty good. My wife, you're taller than my wife Jenny. She's five one and a half. Yeah, well, remember when you said that uh, I never experienced growing pains? You were like, I bet you you never had growing pains. I wasn't born <laughs> at five foot three. You know, I still have to grow. Okay, I just want to make that clear. Yeah, but just um, just for the record, Jenny says she never had growing pains growing up. Did you ever have growing Jenny, pains growing up? Uh, uh, no comment. But <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, but you know what? I think another superpower for you is you probably are one of those people who could like sell ice. In, like in the middle of a snowstorm you know because like you say things and sometimes like you'll say things i'm like no i don't think so and then you'll just keep talking and i'm like wait yeah you're right you're right and then i leave thinking that was my idea but actually i didn't agree oh, with man. you at all this you're, is you're not the like first person to say that hypnotizing thing like you could sell anything you know like you could sell <laughs> everything i mean thank god you are not in the business of selling things, you know, uh, but you probably could have done a really good job, especially because you kind of have loose morals too. So <laughs> you might maybe have been, if this pastoring thing doesn't work you guys, out, you guys maybe. need to know, before Sua left, she wrote a poem for me, Pastor with Loose Morals. That's what she, that was the title oh, of the gosh. thing. And it was, I recently found that again, I have it, and I, and I read through it, it was hilarious. <laughs> Pastor with Loose Morals. But yeah, if you were not a man of God, you could probably use that <laughs> to such an advantage for you. Oh, um, man. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Oh, boy. Thank, thank, thankfully, and for his mercy and his grace. I mean, you I agree, right? I mean, be honest. You agree. Yeah, I, I think I have a gift to, like, mm -hmm. you know, convince people, yeah. you know, of certain yep. things, and even then, if they're but not But it's not just convincing. It. It's not like yeah. convincing where you do it and then we walk away being like, yeah, like, we agree. It's more like, that was my idea. Like, yeah. we literally, it's like, it's like a weird Jedi thing where it's That's not just weird. convincing people. You go an extra step where, like, okay. now we're fully okay. invested. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I never heard it to that degree. That yeah, degree. no. It's... All right, you, you want to know what your superpower is? Take a guess. Uh, I don't know the ability to eat inordinate amounts of carbohydrates. No, 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 do you, want me to do you want me to Why? talk about it? Yeah. It's because you eat so fast. So fast. And That's also, right. once you're done eating, you want to leave. 
It's not good. It's not good. So then you know I, me so well. I don't want to get stuck with a, okay. you know, I don't want to eat in your car. Okay. So I have okay, to get okay. whatever I can eat at the speed oh, that you will goodness. finish your large. Oh, man. I have to get the kitty size. Too much. Too much. Okay. <laughs> well, but here, here's your superpower, Sua. And I know I've said this before, but you, you are such a likable person. You can get anyone to like you. That's why, like, when you were on our staff, I was like, wow, she goes out and she represents our church to, like, people in Englewood, and they're going to love us because they're going to love her. And that was, you got to, I know you like to play compliments, but that's a superpower. Everyone loved you. I mean, like, Merle and some people at the rec center. Merle's listening to this being like, I don't like her that much. They asked you to be, (laughs) oh, no, they asked you to be a part of the board. You know, you know, nobody has asked anyone after you've left to be on the board from our staff, you know, but like you are that likable and that's your superpower. You, like I said before, you could like Hitler would like you and you could, you could, you could have probably, probably, I think you could have made him or convinced him to stop the world uh, the world war okay. that that's <laughs> that, i think that's a bit of a stretch um clearly i don't have the right skin tone or eye color for hitler <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no you, but you do have you gotta admit you do have a superpower you um, are a very likable you know what person, i will so. say i don't think i'm an unlikable person but i i wish it was some kind of like super um unique thing about me that makes people like me um yeah i I think i'm generally a likable person and honestly i have attributed this to like one particular characteristic of mine which is that i I genuinely am interested in people like i literally like listening you are like i have a lot of questions for people and then when they answer the questions like i'm very invested in their answers you are and i think this is it like it's literally not because i have some kind of like magnetic charming personality Mm -hmm. or because like i'm this beautiful person i literally think it's as simple as like i just like people and listening to them talk to me um and i think that's what it is you know you get well those who are listening sue was on our staff for several years but like her office was like everyone wanted to come to work because they want to sit down and talk about their life or things that they're going through and i'm telling you that void was never replaced since you played (laughs) the productivity of work was also not great but you know it it was it was fine productivity it was fine but it just uh, that that culture that you created at our at our at our office was like I call it like the the Facebook Google approach. Like they spend millions of dollars to make their office a place where it's like a playland and they get free food and everyone wants to be there and keep them there. But you know, when you were on staff, like we didn't have to spend a lot of money. We just had you on staff. <laughs> everyone wants to come to the office to hang out and talk with you. So and if I had to go work, I would have to go somewhere else. Like I know, if I wanted exactly. to actually work. Exactly. Uh, and then like yes. I would be working at home and John would be like, weren't you at work all day? What did you do there? I'm like, other work. Other exactly. work. Exactly. You, know? you you created a culture on our staff that was so great and we but still miss it. It was so it fun. Day, and so. I have been chasing that high ever since. That's why I'm still unemployed. Well, I can't been, find another we, we, work environment been, like that. We've been trying to find somebody to provide us with that high, but we have not found that person <laughs> yet either. So it's 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 two two ways here. But we got a real important top topic Very. to talk about today. Um, it's about sexism. And just to be really upfront and completely honest with you, our audience, I want to let you guys know that I am a recovering sexist. 
Um, I grew up in a patriarchal kind of a family. I am Korean American. Um, also in our culture, it's a very patriarchal society. Mm. I come from a Christian tradition where they didn't believe that women should be pastors, women yeah. shouldn't be preaching, yeah. women should not hold elder positions in the church. So these are all sort of my you know things that were programmed within me when I was younger. And so when I became a when I when I, when I was growing up in the church, I just naturally thought that men you know had the upper hand in leadership and different things like that. So I consider myself continuously to be a recovering sexist. And uh, it's not right because God created both male and female in his image. And yet we men continue to be sexist in how we see women. And we're going to save this as another podcast when we talk about women in ministry. Yes. We're going to invite a woman pastor onto our podcast. Even though, Sue, I think you know you, you still ministered, but you didn't have the title pastor when you went to church. I think it's very church. controversial when the ordained title is given to women. I think that's yes. like where a lot of the controversy yeah, happens, Yeah, yeah. Right? We're, we're going to get into that. But nonetheless, I think sexism is something that impacts all of us. I don't even want to say it impacts men, it impacts women. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Because I think women also don't, there are, there's a contingency of Christian women that don't believe women should hold any type of real mm -hmm, leadership positions mm -hmm. in the church as well uh, and things. So let's just talk about this. So Sua, like sort of in your experience, I don't talk about our working experience. We're going to get there. That's the Ooh. juicy stuff. Oh, because boy. unfortunately, I'm gonna, it's going to be a time where Sue is going to share a time where I was actually quite sexist towards her. And, um, you know, <laughs> I wish- Just one out of the many. No, I'm just kidding. One, no, there's one just out of the many. There's probably, just probably. No. But uh, I, I um, and I actually, in, in, in all honesty, I did not remember it. So she's going to have to rehash it and stuff we're gonna actually unpack it and we didn't fully talk about it she did mention about that time and i said we'll save that for the podcast well, i said let's not talk there. about that one and people yeah. was like we gotta keep it real girl no. yeah we so, gotta keep it real we gotta it unpack it listen yeah. i'm trying my best to sort of unlearn the, the the lifetime of things that i've learned about being a sexist and we live in a country continuously where you know i think we've made some strides but men still have the upper hand in everything and Absolutely. so it's it's a journey and I'm on that journey and so you know I don't think you know we can get there by just turning on a light switch it takes time it takes years but it also takes surrounding yourself with some people like you know like Sue you're part of my life and other women that can really speak truth into your life and say well that was sexist or that was wrong or this was this was not right so any of it so Sue just let's talk about this a little bit um how has yeah. how has that how is sexism um, how have you learned to cope and deal with it? But also, how have you, um, how has it really hurt you? Or has it hurt you? Um, I mean, I think it's interesting what you said, and I completely agree that it's not just men, because we're all being formed by the messages that we, we received growing up. And we live in this, I mean, we live in different worlds in the sense that the worlds behave differently or react differently to us, but we live in the same society with the same messages. Um, so women, just like men, also accept a lot of um, beliefs about the sex, sexes being different or right. being different in value. Like we accept it just as much as men do. And it's been interesting because I've had to unlearn um, a lot of the things that I had been told um, as a girl. Um, one thing that I will, I was very discouraged by, and I think I've mentioned this previously, is the way the church has responded. Um, and this ties in, I promise. It kind of sounds like it doesn't, but the way the church has responded historically when um, women who've been sexually harassed have come forward, mm -hmm. um, that has been very discouraging to me because- Could you we, just share like, how has the church oftentimes responded? 
Well, where I mean, women come forward. I mean, I we, we read the news. Yeah, see, we're but, silenced, yeah. right? Women yeah, are right. silenced, but not only silenced. I think a lot of times we are, um, we they assassinate the character of the woman who come forward and their right. families. Um, right. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think historically, even when I was in high school and youth group and things like that, you know, okay, this is a little bit weird, but. Um, <sighs> my body developed a lot a little more than the typical korean female body develops um during puberty and um i was made to feel very ashamed like about the things that i had absolutely no control over you know and i would go to church and the ladies there and like the people there would tell me to cover up all the time and it wasn't like i was you know, the whore of Babylon. Like I wasn't like walking around yeah. like wearing these like very promiscuous things, but just by being how God made me, I was feel mm. to I was made to feel like I was some kind of like don't, don't be know, a temptation. Like, yeah, like yeah. I was like a tra- I was gonna tra- trap men or something like yeah. that. And yeah. I think that's kind of the reaction that a lot of churches have had with women who've come forward. Like you are the evil temptress or the mm-hmm. siren who has mm-hmm. captured this um godly man you know, and all he's trying to do is preach God's word. And here you come as a seductress, you know, trying to bring him down, like, you know, and that's kind of been my experience. A lot of times being a woman is like, our purpose mostly is to um, be viewed sexually. um, And for men, you know, we are here to tempt men um, and seduce men. And I think a lot of the times that's kind of the role I feel like we were reduced to. Um, Right. And and it yeah. and it takes no and and, and we, the men don't have any responsibility because it's like well listen you like why does the women have to change or change their appearance to yeah. deal with your sin yeah. or your issues you know in exactly. your life and we never ask that question but we always focus on the woman and say hey listen don't dress like that because you're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna tempt men and 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 to my shame I've I've actually done that like on like I don't know Sue if you remember this but back in the day when we were at Lincoln Elementary School um, a couple of our you know some of the men was just saying hey you know what like we should encourage some of the women to not dress you know so like tank tops and short shorts mm-hmm. to church and stuff like that because they struggle and so I actually you know, took that advice and I actually went up on stage and I did tell people, hey, would you, ladies... Oh, how was that received? Oh, you don't remember? Because you, I think you were there. No, and, I don't um, know. Nobody said anything because huh. I think it was sort of accepted. But to my shame, I did that. And I remember our staff, guys, we had a conversation about that years, mm. a few years That's later. And it was, we, were, we were eating at, um, at Luxor, right? The Cheesecake Factory offshoot. <laughs> yes, yes. And we were watching a movie and afterwards we had lunch there and some of the staff guys says, yeah, they don't like it when women dress very promiscuously on Sunday or look, you know, like mm. show a lot of flesh. And I'm telling you, this was great because like our, our sisters just stepped in and said, what? What are you talking about? Like, oh, how wow. dare you say that? And, you know, it's like, why do we have to, you know, why do we have to dress a certain way so that you don't sing? It's your sin, not ours and all Good that kind them. of stuff. I mean, it was such a great dialogue and it helped me to see. And I said, wow. Yeah, this is, it's so deeply ingrained in all of us. And there is, uh, we don't need to tell women to dress a certain way so that men don't get tempted and all that kind of stuff. But yet that's so embedded in our society within the church. And it's sad. And I apologize to anyone who's been a part of our church or who might be listening, who heard me go up on stage and say something like that and saying, hey, you know, ladies, don't wear those short shorts and don't wear those tank tops to church. I really apologize. We didn't have any air conditioning in the church, by the way. So it was really hot in the building. 
And so certainly I can understand why people were dressing down well, more as well. I mean, it's, that's interesting because on one hand, okay, so one thought that I have while listening to that is if I ha if I actually was in Lincoln, which I probably was during that time, yeah, you it were, shows yeah. how, see, it, it's, it goes to show how much my own sexism was probably clouding my perspective at that time that I didn't even yeah. notice that that yeah. was weird that you would say that because I remember most things, yeah. especially yeah. for some reason, whatever you say, I always remember. <laughs> I mean, you remember too, everything i don't even remember the i will be your downfall you <laughs> no but yeah. seriously um but i think probably that was something that was communicated so frequently and was yeah. accepted as the norm that it probably didn't even raise a flag yeah. you know for me it yeah. was something and thankfully it shows that i've evolved in the way i view yes, right. women right because if you said that now i would be like what in what in the you what? Drop, you are a black belt in uh, kondo, and you <laughs> take a stick and beat the living daylights out of me. Figuratively yeah. speaking, because yeah. violence is not the answer. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, no, it, I would absolutely not let that go. Right. right so right. It, it just shows you how much we've evolved, and also how we are evolving as a society. Mm -hmm. um, and the the second thing is, yeah, like it's it is strange that the way church has adopted, and this also comes from culture, right? It's our, the world says this, but it is weird that the church has adopted, you know, women dress a certain way so men don't get tempted as like their ma mantra because Jesus never said like, Jesus said we're responsible for our own hearts, right? He says like, yeah. gouge your own eye out. Like he yeah. wasn't like, oh, well, that's the problem of the person who tempted you. So I find it really strange that they put the onus on women. Exactly, um, yeah. Instead yeah, of checking their own hearts. Exactly. You know? Nobody focuses on the guys who are struggling with it and saying, well, what's going on with you? You know, and uh, this is your sin. But here's the other thing, Sue, and help me to, you know, because you're a woman. So help me to uh, help me help us guys to understand this. But there are a lot of women, when they see another woman dress, um, you know, showing a lot of flesh, they're often like, no, you can't dress like that. You know, and they feel very offended and they will go and talk to, you know, sometimes a woman, they'll judge harshly like, mm, oh, yeah, you know, I can't believe she's wearing that. You know, like who, you know, like why is she dressed like that? So I, I see women, I hear women sometimes, yeah, they yeah. criticize just as hard as guys, but at least with, I'm, I'm not saying what guys do is, is less, is less for them, but guys is more like, I don't want to get tempted. But for women, there's like a real harsh, like, oh man, she's a, she's, you know, whatever. She's the, the whore. She's whatever she is. Yeah, why yeah, would she, she's, slut, she's only dressed you know? like that because she wants something, you know, in return. So why do women do that? You know, obviously I'm not a sociologist. I can't speak to all women. I have a couple of theories. But you are a social worker. Um, I, will social say, I mean, I'm a social worker, but I, I was, a, well, I yeah. was a social worker, but I will tell you that has happened to me. Um, what do you mean? Like women have said that to you? Like, why are you wearing Yes, it? multiple oh, women wow. at multiple different churches. And the thing is, PP, you know how I dress. Like, I am not somebody who dresses in a super, mm -hmm. um, like, promiscuous or whatever no. way. Like, I, I don't like to draw, like, too much attention. So I dress, like, I dress nice, but, like, I don't. I don't think I'm like showing skin everywhere, especially because I have been shamed so much during my formative right. years. But like you said, years. God made you with curves. Um, and so naturally you can't hide those all the I time, mean, right? I mean, this is what yeah. I look like. And exactly. actually, you know what? Unfortunately, it's taken me, how old am I? 38? It's yeah. taken me like 38 years for me to finally accept that this is the way my body is going to be. And I don't need to be hiding things That's all the right. time because this That's is right. how God made me. That's right. Um, but I have had women come up to me and say to me, mm -hmm. well, I can't tell you who said this. It's always this exact same scenario. And you should feel a little guilty about this. And you know why. Uh, women have oh, always come no. up to me and said, um, two people previously to the person at Metro who was um, 
who was sent <laughs> to say this, but two people previously had said to me, you know, I don't, I can't tell you who said this, but somebody, a guy said that, um, they, they, the way you dress is like too provocative and you need to like tone it down. And it was very WTF for me because once again, may, I don't know, maybe I do dress. I don't know. I mean, is it because I grew up in Latin America and we do dress a little bit differently there? I don't know. I've had like all sorts of thoughts running through my head. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But yeah, this has been a thing. So yes, that does happen. And yeah. B, my theory on that, not evidence-based, this is just my hypothesis Okay, I have on a theory it. on that too. Um, I'm going to share oh, it okay, and get, yeah. get what you think. But I want to hear what so you think. So my said. theory yeah. is that... Um, it comes down to this whole idea, like I said, that women are basically, our value in our society is reduced to what we are to men mm. um, and how mm. we are wanted yeah. by men. And yeah. it creates a sense of competition yes. between women yes. where you know we wanna be the one who's the most desired because yep. apparently that is the only value that we have, yeah. right? Um, and so to me, that kind of is That's really what's deep. at play. Really um, again, I don't know, but that, I yeah. think that's what it is because all my life, you know, I've been told like the message has been pretty clear, like being pretty, being attractive for women, that is like the number one priority. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think that's the same thing that's communicated to men that you have to be attractive physically. Right. Right. You know, and why? Yeah. Because for women, that is our greatest asset is what we are to that's men, right. whether we are right. wanted by men or not. Well, you, you read stories in the Bible about, you know, um, about Esther and others, and they're saying she's so beautiful. You know, like she's so beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, Sarah, beautiful. and Rachel and stuff. Leah. That right. is the worst story I know. ever. I feel I so mean, bad for but, Leah. But you think about even Abraham and Sarah. Abraham knew his wife was so hot that if yep. when they went to that foreign land, he really believed that the king was going to kill him so that he could have his wife. And that's why he said, well, it's okay, Sarah, for you to get raped. Let's just say we're brothers <laughs> oh, and sisters. Gosh. And he didn't do it it's once. So he did it twice. It's so he bad. did it twice. And it just, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing when you think about stuff like that. So what you just theorized is kind of, you know, it's, it's a real deep and well thought out way. And I think in some ways it kind of answers what, what I was going to say. My theory was in some ways similar to it, but I think oftentimes women will, um, if they criticize other women about what they wear, sometimes I feel like, is it, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, is it also because maybe because they can't wear that and get away with it? Why can't they? Because it won't look as good on them. Oh, as I it, see. Like, like saying like, oh, I can't believe she's wearing that. And the reason yeah, why they're upset yeah. is because they can't wear that because they can't make, they can't pull that off. They can't. So it's like a jealousy look, thing. It's a jealousy. Like they, they're so upset about it because yeah. they can never look that good. Yeah. If they try to wear that, you know, yeah, I mean, stuff. I think that definitely is part of like it completely is consistent with my theory. So clearly, exactly. I think we have the same theory, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yours um, is just a lot more scientific and okay. a lot more. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more smart okay, than mine. Can mind. I ask you, though? Right. Because yeah. since you brought this topic up, why do you think the Bible has so many leading female characters that are described as physically attractive? I don't I, I, can't, I can't answer that. I, I can't answer. Aren't that you question. studying for your doctorate? <laughs> yeah, no, but I I will say this in the, in, in the in the Bible, both Old Testament, mostly Old Testament, more so than even the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, uh, beauty, like you said, beauty for a woman was very important. I mean, you think right, about right. you know you think about Esther, and you know they were looking for a new queen, and you know they 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 decided to find the most beautiful woman mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, because back in those days, even more so than now, I think women were basically on the on they would they were seen as more valuable sure. uh, to society if they were beautiful. 
And um, a bit off topic, but to answer the question that I get frequently from non-Koreans as to why so many Korean girls are named Esther, um, it's the trifecta, right? Of like what Korean parents want. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. like exactly. You know, they 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 won, which is number one. They won the contest. They won yeah. the contest, so that's one. She was beautiful. <laughs> that's two. She married the king. That's, that's right. three. So <laughs> that's right. you know. But she also had crazy faith, man. That, that Esther had some. Well, crazy that's more faith. ancillary yeah. for yeah, the Korean okay, parents. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> but yeah, got if everyone. you ever wanted to know why there's so many Esther, Korean Esthers, there you go. Right, and you, I mean, and then you think about the the horrible story of Bathsheba. I mean, just yeah. I mean, it's just horrible when you think about that. But any event, all right, so I digress just a little bit. But all right, so let's talk a little bit about me. Um, so you've worked with me for a few years, several years. And what was some things, uh, you, I already know what you're going to say, was the time <laughs> where you felt like, wow, that was a very sexist remark. And unfortunately, I don't even remember it. But I, we so let's unpack this on yeah. air. Let's unpack mm -hmm. it right now. So share with <laughs> the audience what I said to you. So um, kudos to PP for being okay with me sharing this because um, I when I've shared this with, I think I shared this with one, maybe two people just because I was trying to figure out like, is this okay? Am I crazy or is this weird? Um, and both and the both people were like that. It's totally not okay. So um, listeners, this is please see this as a positive because we're keeping it real as we promised. Um, but basically, I'm thinking about this one incident um, because Pastor Peter had asked me like, oh, what are some um, sexist encounters that you had um, in, in ministry? And ironically, the only one I could think about was the one inflicted by my senior pastor and boss. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh my. It was, no, so it was we were in staff meeting and I think this made it worse. I think I don't know. I think it made it worse. It was a group setting. Um, yeah. And I had been asked by Pastor Peter to write some interview questions um, for a Sunday interview that he was going to do on stage. Um, and then another pastor, Pastor Kevin, said, um, well, Peter, if Sua is writing the interview questions, why don't you just have Sua do the interview like on stage? And then Pastor Peter's remark, like just kind of off the cuff remark was, oh, she can't go up there. She's too distracting. So that's the incident. Um, ouch. I didn't, well, ouch, but I actually really didn't understand what was happening. Um, yeah. And I'm very obtuse. Like I'm dense. Like I don't, I miss things all the time. Um, and so I, I was kind of like looking around. I was like, why am I distracting? Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't get it. So then I turned to Doug and I said, why mm. am I distracting? And then he was like, I think he, he thinks like you're too physically attractive or whatever. I don't even know what exactly he said, but basically I still couldn't really understand mm. um, why I would be distracting because nobody had ever said anything like that to me before. Like I had never been told that I was a distraction. Um, and then I, the staff meeting ended. Nobody said anything except... Kevin looked pretty upset. <laughs> yeah. And then I went back to my office and then Pastor Kevin came by and said, hey, I just want you to know like what Peter said, like that wasn't okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I really truly processed it um, beyond just like, what, what just, what so, was that? So, so, so help me unpack. So first of all, um, I, I said it privately, <laughs> but I, I don't remember this, but I, I, I really apologize for that because that was incredibly sexist. 
Uh, I think we kind of determine. Thank you very much. I think we determined that perhaps I was just trying to be maybe funny. But again, yeah. that's a lot of times how a lot of these sexist remarks come yeah. about. Which you're trying to be yeah. funny, and it's not right. It's just not right. That was a real a hole uh, comment to make. <laughs> uh, but so you know, I know in the beginning there was a little bit of confusion. You were like, okay, I'm not exactly sure what he really meant by that. But then Doug said, well, it's because you're. You're you're pretty, and he thinks you're going to be a distraction up on stage. Which really, I mean, you moderated. You know, you preached before yeah, at yeah. some. So, but and you were always very like encouraging of that. Right. No. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know I believe women should yeah. be in ministry. Women should be preaching. Yep. I think men can learn a lot about a lot from a woman about how to live like Jesus through the voice of a woman. But. On, on side of that, but again, I'm a recovering sexist because that's sort of how I've been sort of programmed. We're all up. recovering sexists. Uh, right. Right. So, but. But then you've been asking, you asked Doug, you asked some of your other friends about it, and you know they told you, no, that was a that was a sexist thing for him to say. How did you feel towards me? Let's just be very honest. I, I don't, I, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't even talk about this, but yeah. like, did you, like, at one moment, did you just say, oh man, this guy really needs to know something about this, or he's really off, and and like, did did you start to, you know, I mean, because it's natural to just be like, oh man, I don't know, man, this. Man, Peter, man, he's got a lot of issues. He needs to work through some of this stuff, and I don't know if I can trust him. Or is it just like, oh, it's Peter. You know what? I whatever. I can just get through it. Or is it something like, you know what? I've I've actually lost some respect for this guy. No, I. So it's hard for me to specifically say what it was because when it comes, to, like for example, it would have been much easier for me to pinpoint what my reaction was if it wasn't you. Like, let's say it was a pastor I didn't have a relationship with yeah. who had said something like that. Um, maybe I would have been a lot more offended. I, you know, I'm just going to be very honest. Um, like to me, you're kind of like a Teflon pastor because nothing what does sticks. That mean? Like nothing sticks. <laughs> nothing like you'll sticks? say crazy okay. things or you'll do crazy things. And then I'll kind of just be like, what the heck is that? You're ridiculous. And then I kind of forget about it or I move mm -hmm. on. Um, I would like to believe that's because like, I know where your heart is and I know, mm -hmm. um, I know you. And um, I have a relationship that's yeah. founded. So most things don't um, offend me where I would question, you know, my yeah. relationship with you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've always kind of joked about like, you're like, you're the Teflon pastor because um, you've also built up this um, persona where, um, because you're about vulnerability and transparency. Like if you do crazy things, it only adds to the persona because it's like see there he is doing his crazy things again and you know he's just mm -hmm. being transparent so i don't know like i just kind of feel like there's very few things that you could do that it would really make me question um your character okay um, but i do wish i had addressed it and i'm a little mm -hmm. bit i actually i remembered well, it a I little bit differently think, but i don't think you should be the one addressing it because i think it's really hard to be the like for you to say hey i'm gonna address i mean i think it's great if you can but i don't I agree with that because at that point I had a relationship with you yeah and um you're, you're right it would have been better if you could have figured it out on your own yeah or maybe another male person could have well, said it to you yeah like like so like my thing is this and you know Kevin I love you to death if you're listening I love you but uh, you know because he is my executive pastor and he saw how he he knew how offensive he was, was pretty upset yeah he was pretty he was upset, upset. 
he should have came to my office and just said, hey, man, that was actually very inappropriate what you just said. And I would have been like, what? And he would have explained it to me. And I would have been like, oh, shoot, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm hoping he would believe that I would have said that. But I think, you know, Kevin didn't bring it up mm -hmm. to me. And I think this is important because the person who's been abused, it's really hard for them. And even though you and I have that relationship, yeah, it's hard yeah. for you to just say, well, hey, you just offended me. Although it would be great, but that's not necessarily your responsibility. It's the responsibility of the person who, who actually what did the abuse or said the thing that they shouldn't have said. They should have figured it out or at least had some people who loved them enough to say, hey, listen, that was actually inappropriate. I agree. I agree. Um, however, I still think, I don't know why, but I for some reason thought you would remember this incident. And I thought there had been like a resolution, but clearly I, it's like a warped memory. Um, yeah. And the reason why I also say that is because if this happened to me now, I mean, I'm not on staff right now, but let's say if it happened to me now, there is absolutely no way in hell I would not have addressed this with you. Yeah. Because I would have been like, uh, PP, you can't say stuff like that. Yeah. Especially yeah. as a joke, you can't say yep. stuff like, because yep. the way this plays out is usually very few, and this is very similar with racist encounters, right? Yep. Um, it's all about that implicit bias, right? right. So the whole thing is, there's very few times in your life, in my life at least, when somebody actively was sexist to me. Um, yeah. It's always in these very subtle, hidden ways. Like, let's say it wasn't me and you. S let's right. say a boss said in a church setting, you're too distracting. Yeah. And then that person got really upset. It's very easy for the person to be like, it was a joke. Like, chill yeah. out, you know, yeah. like, yeah. lighten yeah. up. Like, this is yeah. always the messaging that we Absolutely. get. Absolutely. Right? And I think that's why it's so toxic yeah. because yeah. we are made to feel like we're being sensitive. Once again, yeah. there's the emotional woman getting all sensitive yeah. and offended yeah. about everything or, you know, um, you know, we are, we are meant to feel shamed, even though we didn't do anything wrong. Um, and it's hard to try to justify that because then they look at us like we're the crazy ones who are complaining about something that doesn't right. exist. Right. You know? and, and that's probably the reason why for women, they just don't have the, the desire to want to climb up that ladder or climb up that hill because they just realize it, it might fall on deaf ears and that hurts even more. Especially Perhaps. in the church, because right. if it happens in corporate right. or happens in the workplace, fine. But, you know, you you really would believe or would hope to believe that in the church, things would be a little bit different. But things have been probably the same, if not worse, you know. I 100% agree. And when you talk, you know, like I'm not a psychologist, but when I talk to some of them, you know, who are friends of mine, and they'll say that when somebody gets sexually abused, um, the reason why they don't tell their parents uh, was because they often get threatened not to and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. not, don't tell. But the reason why they don't often tell their parents is because they're so afraid that their parents won't believe them. Mm. And that fear is so great that they would rather not wow. to tell. Wow. And it's so true. And, and because, you know, I've had experiences of counseling people who've been abused and, and so forth and they just was so scared that my parents will not believe me. And that's why when you think about what happened, you know, uh, I mean, you know, in the Catholic Church with the priests and the incidents, these these kids who were sexually abused could not go to their parents mm. and tell them because they had such esteem for the priest. Yeah. yeah. And they'll say, well, right. how dare you accuse the priest right. of doing right. this to you? You're crazy. And the fear of that was so great. And I think in some ways, perhaps maybe women feel that as well. Like if I bring this up, if I bring this up, perhaps maybe then it will cause a greater hurt if they don't understand and believe me and they don't um, actually stick up for me. And because of that, the fear of that, they remain silent. 
maybe they remain silent. I completely agree. It's the fear. And um, they also say sexual harassment and rape is very unique because it's the only crime or yes. only offense that makes the victim feel the shame um, because we feel the shame. You know, yeah. it's like, what did, what could we have done differently, right? That's yeah. always the messaging. You know, what did you do to put yourself in this position? Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. And I think, um, unfortunately, the church has taken their cues from the world and not from the word. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's... Well, well, Sua, there, you know, I thought of another moment when I was sexist towards you. <laughs> you thought of one. And, oh, and I thought of one, okay? And here's here one. Do you remember we were in Indianapolis together and you just started your position as the Jack director of yes, our church? I know where this is going. And you told me that you were pregnant and I was not happy. I was like, you, what? I was like, how are you going to do this job so now? Mad. I was like, how are you going to do this job now that you're pregnant? Like I you're going to have a baby, you. all of that stuff. And and I and the reason why is because we've tried to start this ministry multiple times with multiple leaders and it never worked out. It just kind of flopped. And then we said, okay, well now we're gonna have to hire somebody, pay somebody, and all this stuff. And we hired you. And then like we go to this great conference and we're having I think dinner. And you said, hey, uh, PP, I'm pregnant. And rather than I should have been happy for you, like, <laughs> oh, Sua, that's great to hear. I was like, what? You should have waited a couple of years and let this ministry get started and stuff well, like no, that. Actually, it was funnier because you were like, oh gosh, here we go. You're going to quit again, aren't you? You're going to quit. And I was <laughs> like, I, I never that? said I was going to quit. <laughs> um, and also you kept saying, I remember, this is also funny. During, um, what did this I is, say? This is funny. During the course of my, um, my, my career, my work life there, um, yeah. I had two kids, right? I had Lila and I had yeah. Audrey. Yeah. I mean- PP was very happy for me when I was pregnant the second time. So <laughs> I just want to put it out there. But you kept half jokingly saying, but you're, I think you're good now, right? You were like, when God said be fruitful oh, and multiply, he wasn't talking about having babies. <laughs> Did I say that? Yes. Oh, boy, man. I, I, I tell mean, you, what a, what a jerk. What a jerk. No, but uh, again, I don't, I, I did not limit my family planning to two kids because pastor peter yeah, yes, told yes, me yes. i was not allowed to be fruitful and multiply but, okay but that is not why i did that but you know what was really beautiful about that encounter because when i said that to you um you let me have it you <laughs> let me have it and I you just up. i mean it, it was and this is you just started we're in indianapolis we're at this conference and i said that and you just you let me have it and i remember just that was such a great process for me because i said Oh no, no, no. Sua is gonna kick butt in this position. Like the way you fought, the way you were like, Are you kidding me? How, you know, how could you say something like that? And blah, blah, blah. And you I remember you just saying, you know, my mother in law says she's gonna take care of the kid, you know, we're, we're gonna work. Like, well, why would you think that because I'm having a baby, I'm not gonna be able to do my job? I mean, I just I remember some of the things you said and I just said, Wow, remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And I just said, Oh, we got our we got the right person here to do this. But and you know so, what? Maybe you're saying something that a lot of people have thought, you know, because um and I think these are the kinds of things that make it hard to have a really honest conversation sometimes. Because um because if you if you say something like that in a corporate setting, yeah, you can get sued. Right. Right. But right. let's be real. A lot of people are thinking that, you know, yeah. be, when they hire a woman, I am not dumb enough to think that people are not thinking about the fact that women drop out of the workforce a lot more than men do after families, you know, having families. Right. right? And so, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, 
it was just funny that you automatically assumed that I was going to quit. <laughs> but, you know, the, it was my PTSD. That's the problem. It was my PTSD. But, but here's the thing. Like, if we go with that logic, like, if I ever said, you know what, I can't hire a woman because if they have a kid, they're going to quit and, you know, all that stuff. Um, that would have been one of the worst decisions ever because you became one of the best hires we ever made because you blessed, you know, you launched a ministry that literally died. That died. Not the work itself. Tried. It was mostly the talking to people on the yeah, couch. No, it was that. Part. And then we we built such an amazing culture at our staff <laughs> that you play such amazing <laughs> role that our staff are really still benefiting from today. Even the ones who don't even know who you are, that they're benefiting from it today. And so it is a blessing. But you and know so what? I will say, and I'm not trying to, you know, be this loyal subject who's trying to defend her previous boss or anything. I'm just being very real. It's what you said about, you know, um, woman and having babies and having to leave you know maybe instead of expecting that a woman is going to leave because she is going to have a baby and want to take care of the family do yeah. what metro did and create a work environment that is very flexible that caters to women and men who have families and i yep. think you know part of the reason why um I loved working at Metro so much was also because uh, my priority as a mom, as a parent, and not just for me, but also for men as dads, right. was always prioritized over our ministries. Um, and I think it, it was a it was like a, a great job for me to have because you allowed us to have a lot of flexibility in the way, like it was basically like, as long as you do your work, we don't really That's care right. how you do it, yep. just do your work. Um, and so, you know, I think it goes to that topic of like, yes, on one hand, you set these crazy things to me. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, Metro also created an environment that was very, very, you know, helpful in allowing parents to make yeah. family a priority and make yeah. a woman returning to the workforce after having babies. That process was super transition. Like, I remember after I had Audrey, um, like I talked to you and I said, okay, I want three months off, but the, the third month I want to come in once a week and make it two months of coming in just once a week. And you were like, do whatever you want. You know, as long as you do your work, do whatever you want. And that mm -hmm. made the process much easier for me to transition back, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah. yes, there are some crazy incidences at the same time. There were some practices at Metro that made yeah. it very like helpful for me to come back as a parent. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you said that, but I think, you know, like just kind of how we started off, you know, I'm a recovering sexist, we're all learning, but here's the most important thing. Um, if you don't have people in your life to help you to grow in this, um, there's no way you're going to grow out of it because we've been, we, we have to unlearn the things that we've been uh, taught growing up. And uh, I'm grateful for relationships like with Sua and with other uh, sisters at our church who just helped me to see things that I've never would have seen. And without that, and my wife, I mean, my wife, I remember uh, a couple years ago, I said, hey, do you think I'm a sexist? She didn't even flinch. She goes, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, what? She unpacked said yes. Yeah, she said, oh yeah, yeah you're, you're a sexist. And so she oh unpacked gosh. it for me. And I said, okay, well, where am I a sexist? Talk to me and, and stuff like that. And I think it's really important that you ask and you figure it out and accept it. Because if people say you are, people who are close to you, no matter how much you try to convince them that you're not, you are. Particularly if it's uh, in, in, when you talk about sexism, you are. And you have to now figure out ways of how do I grow from it and how do I learn unlearn but learn and be a better person and i'm on a journey i will offend but i'm committed to learning to be the best i can because god created male and female in his image mm -hmm. equally equally he did and we'll talk more about women in ministry and talk about some of the nuances in the bible on, at another podcast but yeah but that's it but yeah so any other thoughts as we as we get ready to close here 
No, and I just want to add that, you know, it's not just that we're unlearning the things we learned yeah. when we were growing up. It's unlearning constantly because mm-hmm. sexist messaging is everywhere, Always. like everywhere. every day. It's like in the air, just like racism yeah. is in the air. Sexism is in the air. And so yeah. for every one sexist thought, we have to counter it with like five different anti-sexist thoughts Mm -hmm. or else we're going to just be going with the flow of what the world is saying right and so we have to be constantly be be spiritually formed with what the gospel says about um sex than what the world says and so yeah it's not just you're right absolutely unlearning the things we've been taught but also constantly checking what we're hearing absolutely even in our present you know real time and who we're reading, what we're watching, and all that kind of stuff. I think those are all important things for sure. And uh, we're all on a journey, and we got to do it. We got to get on the journey for this, and uh, it's important. I think you, a lot of you are going to have questions, thoughts, comments. Uh, and if you do, can I just really encourage you to get on our website at weekpastor.org. Feel free to write your comments, your thoughts, your feedback. Um, uh, it's okay. Be raw, raw and real because you know that's kind of what we're about here. Um, and I would really appreciate it. And we'll do our best to try to bring some of that up at our, at our next podcast. But I just want to thank you, Sua, for being so raw thank and real you. with me about how I how I how I said some <laughs> sexist things at at the workplace. Thank you for letting me throw you under yeah. the bus. Oh, it's okay. This is the journey. And uh, thanks so much. We're going to do a lot more of these kinds of podcasts going forward. And so hopefully you will continue to tune in every week. We'll have a new podcast for you. So thanks so much for listening. Thank have you. a great day. Bye. Bye.